I'm surprised that Britain doesn't have a MacArthur Award, actually, but um, certainly lots of people in this room who probably deserve one. But anyway, I am very excited to be here, and one of the reasons why I'm, honestly, why I'm in front of rooms like this, I mean, I traveled all the way across the pond um, to be here, and it's because, statistically speaking, someone like me should not be here, period. And um, when I grew up in the South Bronx, um, most of the people, you know, if you were, it was literally the epicenter, you know, the poster child for urban blight. And uh, if you were from that area, most folks, whether in the media or even folks that lived, you know, on the other side of town, would often think that people who lived there were either pimps or pushers or prostitutes. And teenage pregnancy was epidemic. And it took a I am just grateful, you know, for the parents that I had that I actually am here. But one of the important things about what I want to show you today is that it is about the evolution of a community. But the way I like to tell the story is actually through the development of my own family, like where they came from and, um, and where they decided to go. So this is my parents. They moved to the Hunts Point section of the South Bronx in, late 19, in the late 1940s. And uh, they were part of the great American migration. This is when blacks moved up uh, from the American South up north in search of a better life. And they moved to a community that was mostly a white working class community, you know, very much like you know, some areas in, in, in London that were actually walk to work neighborhoods where you had literally neighborhoods that had a residential area in one place and an industrial area right next door so you can walk to, to work from there. But many other folks, like my parents from down south and also folks from the Caribbean, starting with Puerto Ricans, also came up in search of a great American dream and the real estate industry developed something called white flight. Because what ha it wasn't just that you know, poor bl blacks and Latinos moved into a community and suddenly the real estate prices went down. That was actually a real structured you know, piece within the real estate industry where they would say things you know, to the white families, you know, blacks are coming, you know, your property values are gonna go down. And that would be to get them to sell their homes really cheaply. And then blacks would come in and they'd want to buy a place because this was where, you know, it seemed like, you know, the personification of all that they wanted in their lives. And they would buy the house for much more than it was worth. So it was a really kind of crappy way of, of doing business, but it happened. Add to that, you know, around the time, um, you know, highways became king in America, just kind of like here. You know, the, our version, you know, the person who was most responsible for that in New York State was a guy named Robert Moses, you know, who decided that, you know, we needed to rebuild all the infrastructure, you know, in New York State to serve the, service the needs of cars. And unfortunately, the South Bronx, and people who had them actually, so the South Bronx, you know, had the, you know, very unfortunate distinction of being located right between the wealthy county of Westchester to the north and Manhattan to the south. So we actually lost about 500,000 people during that time when Robert Moses decided that you know, we needed to create uh, highways right through the heart of, of the South Bronx. And this is a picture of one of the major, one of the main highways that goes through. This is called the Cross Bronx, and it was in the middle of construction. And I show this picture because it really does show you that, you know, even in mid-construction, that underneath where that expressway is right now, there were thriving communities. I mean, it separated a community from itself. And um, many residents were often given less than a month's notice before they were told they had to find someplace else to live. Add to that, 
another term that was created, actually this time by the banking industry, uh, bank presidents and their teams literally got together and with red China markers, you know, drew circles around areas where they were no longer going to make any kind of investments at all. So when I think about my family's property, you know, what they bought in 1947 or so wasn't really worth much, you know, back in around the time that, say, I was born. And uh, this is me in a very early networking opportunity. Um, but this is what I grew up with. You know, if, if landowners and property owners couldn't really make investments in their property, oftentimes, especially those that own larger tenement buildings like that, found it much more profitable to actually have their building torched, commit arson, rather than to try to make investments in buildings that they knew wasn't going to pay. So that insurance money was a payoff for them. But yeah, these were, in many cases, you know, these are all pictures of the neighborhood that I grew up with, and in many cases, they were the playgrounds that, the only ones that we had, because it was also around the time of budget cuts in schools and things like playgrounds were literally, and musical instruments were literally being taken out um, because they didn't have teachers to uh, fund things like that. So, but, and it kind of reminds me very, very much of a war zone. And it was in a lot of cases. My brother had actually served two separate tours in, in Vietnam only to be gunned down in a, some kind of drug war a neighborhood over from mine. 